welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is Georgia Gwinnett head coach Jeremy Sheetinger. Coach Sheets was an ABCA staffer before he took the GGC job. He also spent time at Spalding, UK, St. Joe's, Brescia, and Georgetown College. He has a 160-55 and 55 record in five seasons as a head coach. Georgia Gwinnett capped off a phenomenal season going 51-10 and 10 and winning the NAIA National Championship. Coach Sheets has picked up some postseason accolades with the Skip Berkman Award, Rawlings NAI Coach of the Year, and ABCA A-Tech Coach of the Year Awards. In this episode, we dive into GGC season, assistants, and players. Coach Sheets gives us actionable tips on developing a successful organization. This is also a great listen on coaching and making adjustments as you go. We also dive into getting started in the podcast game and how social media can help get messages across to your team. Let's welcome Coach Sheets to the podcast. Here, Jeremy Schiedinger, uh, national champs, Georgia Gwinnett, just named uh, Skip Bertman Award winner and Rawlings NAI Coach of the Year, uh, ABCA staff member, Spalding, UK, Brescia, Georgetown. I mean, a little bit of everything. So, Sheets, thanks for coming on with me. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, my man. Looking forward to connecting. Yeah. Have you had a chance to reflect? I mean, I know right after you kind of put a post out there on Twitter, but you have you really had a chance to reflect on the season? You know, football and basketball guys, they get a little breather afterwards. Baseball guys got to go into camp. Uh, some guys are coaching, recruiting. So have you really had a chance to reflect at all on the season? Yes and no. I mean, I think the, the conversations that you have um, – been fortunate to like just no different than this be asked to be on some podcast interviews which give you a chance to reflect but you know your, your friends call you and you get to kind of work through it a little bit I've had some great conversations with some of my really close friends and they they just ask questions that make you reflect and dive in a little bit deeper and so I think it's a constant decompressing from everything but um definitely at, at night I've had some moments obviously I was on the road without the kids you know how that goes and when you're in your hotel room by yourself and you just kind of sitting there watching a bad HBO movie, your, your thoughts start to drift away. And I've definitely combed through just the journey, the path, how things came together. And I think you're always looking for the lessons that come out of those moments and how can we improve upon those and where are the areas we got to get better. And I've definitely tried to work through that the best I can, but it's, it's definitely a tough, tough process. I mean, do you feel any different now? I mean, after you win that last game of the year, do you feel any different Man, and again, a great question and that yes and no. I mean, I think there's a there's certainly um, like an internal check mark. You know, you're like, I, I wanted to know what that felt like. And it was really cool to, to have the perspective to watch a team build the way that we did and figure out some things and ultimately have a chance to win that last game. But on the other hand, no, because I think, and this has been a process in itself, man. I think when uh, I was actually talking to a younger coach last night about this, he mentioned a a coach that he's with that's like 24, 25 years old. And he remarked about how he's already grasped the idea that it's much bigger than wins and losses. And I went, Oh my God, man, I wish, I wish head I had, start. I <laughs> yeah. He's, he's ahead of the game because 
I think before there was this um, seeking validation by winning that last game. Well, if you win your last game, it must mean you're good at what you do or, you know, everything else that comes with that or job promotions or whatever else. And if you loved yourself before that game was played, it, it, it was just another game. Now you're happy for the kids, the moment, the program, the administration. But at the same time, there's no validation that comes from that because you were already, you know, where you needed to be before that. So it's a, it's a give and a take. Um, and I hope that's the proper way to look at it. But to me, that's the, that's the way I've been able to process it is I was very happy before we played, I've worked hard to get to a place to coach from a, a place the way that I want to coach. And I think really matters, but then also I do understand what it's done for our program and what it's done for, for all the, the individuals involved for sure. And NAI baseball itself. <clears throat> Absolutely. hundred percent. You talk about, man, this level, and this is where I started my coaching career. I, I watched more games like your guys' games because live stream, I watched more NAI games this year than I probably ha ever have, but the live stream sure. piece has been tremendous. Well, and, and again, it's an education. Like yeah. if you watch NAI baseball, you really get to understand what our level's all about. And I think it's, um, you know, that that's the journey we're always on as, as NAI lifers is like, you just need to come see it, man. And once you see it, you'll realize the talent level is really, really good, man. And, and, but I think also, you know, the, to, like we talked about the, the Skip Berman award or whatever those, those accolades are, that's a great thing for NAI baseball to be on that stage and to be recognized nationally. Um, you know, I understand the, the personal side of that and the program side of that, but for the level, that's a huge deal to um, for NAI to get recognized on that space. And like you said, more people tuning into the live broadcast. And if we win, we all get paid, man. That That's a good thing for all of us as we move forward. Give your assistant some love. I mean, the guys that are in the trenches, you and I are assistants. So give your assistant some love. Sure. So um, our staff from Steve Less, Kyle Norton, John Topoleski, Brandon Vial, Ford Ladd, uh, Tyler Carpenter. I mean, those, those guys, you talk about – sacrifice one full-time assistant so these dudes are wearing it on the chin financially they're they're finding ways to get involved and stay involved uh two of those guys have opportunities to join division one programs uh, and hopefully put a little money in their pocket uh, after this season and it's just an op you know when you when you're able to spend that time with really good people and watch them embrace the mentality of serving our players. And that's, that's a tough thing to figure out as I think as even as a, a coach period, but as a young coach, for sure, is you still have this inherent drive to improve yourself and improve your place and your getting in, in your career. But at the same time, you're only going to get there if you walk this path of serving players and for them to embrace that and, and walk through that door every day and sacrifice maybe their own ego on behalf of, of the players it's a powerful place, man. I think we all grew. We learned. We we certainly came out this thing uh, much better for going through it. Um, but, yeah, our staff, man, they did a fantastic job. We certainly wouldn't be here without them. How do you have that conversation with those young guys, even with the interview process? Because there's no blueprint for it. Like, I, I can't promise you that if you come here and and, and work and slave that, that you're going to end up where you need to end up or where you want to end up. How do you have that conversation with them? Well, it's no different than right now where we're trying to hire some volunteer coaches and it's the same process that Ford and, and Brandon went through. It, it ain't easy. And, you know, cause everybody goes, Hey, I know in your message, it says there's no money, but really how much money is there? There's no money there. I can give you a ham sandwich and a firm handshake every day. And that's going to be it. So I think it's um, a few things. I think it's one recognizing the opportunity or maybe the, the platform that our program has given social media, given um, reach and, and, and those, those followings, then you have the opportunity to put some stuff out that will spark conversations. So when we started the player development page, man, the DMS and the conversations that came from that. And certainly people ask and the credit goes right to, to Brandon and Ford and it opens those doors to where their names start to trickle, you know, throughout uh, coaching circles on the other side of it is, you know, I, I try to lean on, you know, obviously the guys that, that helped me get to where I'm at, they you use their network. So you can come here and serve and, and it's a one or two year deal. It's really up to, to any coach. And, I, and I, you'll use my network, man. I'll, I'll call anyone. What job, kind of job are you looking for? You're looking to be a GA. You're looking to go small school, big school. And we'll call and, and try to find those opportunities for you. And then as those guys move forward, the, I think the, the vision that we have I understand the revolving door piece of this, but that's okay because, you know, anyhow, we don't have restrictions on coaches. So we can have as many as, as we want. 
But the beauty of it is wherever these guys go, no matter where they land, they will forever be connected with Georgia Gwinnett baseball. And that to me is part of building that coaching tree. But hopefully they start to see the opportunity that was created. And we have guys that have reached out coming out of high school. You know how many high school guys want to break into college. You've got young guys that just got done playing that just don't know where to start. And we just want to be that building block for them. We, again, revolving door 100%. But if you get the right people, the value add compounds itself over and over again. No different than what Ford and Brandon just did for us in building a platform of player development that we'll continue to, to work on. And you did it. And when I tell my 18 and 15-year-old, that, like, hey, I worked for free for two years. I worked for $9,000 for four years. And I can see their wheels spinning. Like, I don't know if I can actually do that. And, you know, and you got to speak to that a little bit with this generation. Like, okay, this is the way that things are. It stinks. Like, you, we all would have liked to have made a lot more money. But you're in a better position probably because of those sacrifices that you made early on. I'm in a much better position right now than the sacrifices that I made. JR and I talk about it. We talked about it yesterday. I'm like, guys yeah. think they have it hard now. What was hard was trying to decide if you could pay for insurance or not, or, or if you were trying to put food on the table and okay, hopefully I just don't get hurt mm-hmm. where, where insurance going to kill me. Like that's where it gets difficult. So go back to uh, same life, man. <laughs> go back to, and I laughed about this uh, with a friend the other day, substitute teaching my first year in coaching. So getting up at, you know, whatever, six, answering that call, where am I going today? Okay. It, it takes Creek Elementary. Here I go. And I'm going to go substitute teach. And as soon as I'm done, I'm going to bebop over to Georgetown. I'll walk right into the middle of practice and I'm going to try to coach and make recruiting calls the rest of the night. Yep. Or Brescia working at a metal factory. From 4 a.m. to 2. Um, you know, even at Kentucky, man, I didn't walk in with a paycheck. I had to go grind with camps. So I took, you know, the whole fall, and I never got to see an inner squad because I was always gone working camps. And it took eight years to finally get a legit crooked number that started that five-digit, you know, <laughs> trail there. That, to me, is 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 – Part of the I call the world's greatest weed eater is yeah. baseball coaching because you're going to have to grind for a few years and wear it on the chin. And like you said, make tough decisions, whether it's insurance or yeah. peanut butter and jelly or living in the locker room. I got a good friend that lived in the press box of a division one facility. And I would never name this, but lived in the press box for two years, yeah. wearing it on the chin financially so that he could break in and forever. He's got these two years at a division one. So you're right. A lot of folks can't imagine what that would be like, but that's that's us. That ain't football. That ain't basketball. I mean, we just our our model's a little bit different. But if you want to break in, there's a way, and sacrifice is going to be required. There is no doubt. And, and some of that's checking off things you don't want to do. I tried to tell my son that last night. We're sitting around the table. He's going to UNC Asheville in the fall, and I'm like, hey, just just get a job. He's like, well, maybe I, I won't like it. I'm like, well, that's part of it. I figured out I didn't want to be a teacher because of substitute teaching. Like going in that classroom every day, I was like, I don't want to do this for a living. Like I, it, some of it's finding out what you don't want to do by taking a job that, okay. And I would tell assistant that all the time. I'm like, this is your first crack at it. You're going to find out probably real quick if this is something that you're passionate about and you want to do. So it's sometimes more about just checking things off. Like I don't, I'm not interested in that. Well, I know I don't want to substitute teach. <laughs> I know I don't want to work in a metal factory. Uh, camps are great, but I don't want to run camps all the time. Yeah, you no doubt. You just and and again, uh, we've got Ford and, and BV. We're doing DoorDash, and and Ford would leave every day at like five fifteen. He go, all right, guys, I got to go, and he would do DoorDash till midnight. That's how he was figuring it out. And you just you know, to me, that's that that's really you know, you talk about does the game build it or reveal it? It definitely that's revealing character. This is how bad I want it that I recognize that I have all this free time as a young twenty three year old. But I know financially I need to do what's right. I need to set myself up here. I need to do my part, whether my family is helping me out or whatever the scenario is. It, it just says a lot about who these guys are and what you're willing to do. And, um, you know, as, as you no different than these situations that they're in, it's an easy recommendation. It's an easy phone call to go. You want these guys. They know what it takes and they'll do more than it's asked. That, that to me is everything. You had some players had some monster seasons. Griffin Keller, Austin Bates, Morris Livingston, Hunter Dollander, Hunter Caldo. I mean, Caldo, you to name a few. I mean, it just seemed like you had so many guys that put up unbelievable seasons when you're looking at the stats. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, good players make good coaches. That's for sure, man. Um, Griffin kept from the offensive side. We, we had um, the highest scoring offense in NAI, and, and I think we ended up leading the country in stolen bases and hits and runs and it was 
a lot of fun to be around. But, you know, again, good hitting coaches have good hitters. So, like, Griffin Keller was up for National Player of the Year. His his numbers are video game-esque. I, I was talking with the with a newspaper guy from Canada a couple weeks ago, and, like, every hinge moment in our season, I can pinpoint game after game after game where – Griffin Keller was the yeah, guy. Yeah, when you needed something, he he was the the straw that stirred the drink. I mean, just to throw yeah. it out there, 18 home runs, 89 RBIs, 107 hits. He had more walks than strikeouts. Don't see yeah. that too much anymore. Yeah. And fielded 962 and 17 to 20 stolen bases. Like you can't you can't do any more than that in a season. He was I mean, he, the the stir that drink this stirs the what is it? The straw, the that, straw stirs that stirs the drink. Yeah. I know I, I caught yeah. myself too. I'm like, I, <laughs> but, but phenomenal. Like he, he was at the crux of all these moments. Then it made it easier for Bates. It made it easier for Livingston. It made it easier for Gabe. It made it easier for uh, Chase Evans down the bottom of the lineup to circle it back. Like it was just an awesome um, scenario with, with what those guys done. Nick Barnes. I mean, th- those guys had offensive campaigns that, not only set score records, but you know they set records across the the country. The pitching side of things, from Dollander to Caudell, um, you know, shoot man, Adam McKillican. I mean, th- these guys, Kevin Kyle, Tyler Clayton, had two of the biggest starts in program history, winning the regional and then winning the World Series game. The pitching staff, I think, finally, you know, roughly about midway through the season, started to really turn it on. And and early, there were so many new faces. That's where the majority of our turnover was the year before was in the pitching staff. So to watch these new faces sort of get acclimated and then to figure it out and then to take off rolling was was certainly rewarding. They all did a great job. And then you got an unsung hero, Miles Smith, 40 stolen bases and 55 at bats. You know, what are the conversations with a kid like that? Like, hey, I I can't promise you you're going to get a lot of at bats, but you're going to be running around the bases quite a bit. So what's funny is, man, he was our opening day starter. So Miles uh, came back, and, and Core Johnson's been a staple in center field here for the last few years. And Miles was really ch- challenging him. And, and before the COVID uh, hit, he was kind of in and out of the lineup. And we we're trying to figure out if he could be a mainstay. And he worked his tail off, came back in the fall. I think he won the job as we started. And he got going, and then he kind of fizzled out. And we gave Cord a shot. And once Cord got in, man, offensively, he just – he solidified and locked the job back down again. It wasn't easy. And Miles and I, I, mean, I love talking about this because I think players can learn and coaches can learn from this. He wasn't happy. I mean, there was a there was and nor, a, and nor should he be. Like if you're competitive, you should want to be in the lineup. You shouldn't expect somebody to be happy by not playing. No doubt about it. And and I think it was, you know, him coming to grips with the understanding of what happened. I think sometimes you you default to maybe I got screwed, I didn't get my fair shake, or whatever those things are. And it took a, a conversation. And by the way, the whole time he's our in, in NAI, we have the speed up for the catcher. So anytime Bates or Dylan Smith gets on base, that dude's going into run. But he wasn't happy with the scenario. And we had a day at practice and I just sat him down and we spent about 45 minutes, Ryan, like really having a, let's just say, a, a pretty up-and-down conversation, one that had some emotion on both sides. But then we finally got to the crux of, you know, you got to recognize, man, I, I, hopefully you. Re- I've never been a guy that's played favorites or tried to do people wrong. I'm always trying to do what's right for the team. So listen to what I'm trying to tell you is that, man, you actually do have a role. You think you don't or you think it's unfulfilling, but it actually can be – there's a lot of freedom in being the pinch runner. You get to come out – and do what you do, which is showcase your speed, which is take great BP each day, which is make the postseason roster, which is have a solidified place on this team. Well, all that did was solidify him, and not only within our group, but he hit summer ball running. So he's in the app league, and he's tearing it up offensively, defensively, but it prepared him because he got his mental mindset right and his attitude right. And certainly he was a huge piece of the puzzle while we, we won some games in the World Series. Well, he scored 70 runs, which is third on your team. So, like, huge role. You know, you, you know, and that that's tremendous. That there's a guy, okay, like, I know you're not an everyday guy, but huge role. You guys don't win without him. 1,000%. And, and that's what he needed. He just needed to work through it and understand it, maybe see it from a different perspective. I think sometimes we um, – we get lost in the clouds a little bit, and we sometimes create stories in our head of, of what's really happening until maybe we're willing to step back and listen to another perspective and get um, get get the full scope of things. And that that's what and again, Miles and I are 
he is, I mean, I wear number three and he's number three. So don't tell me I don't have a vested interest in this guy. Uh, that's my guy, but it was, it was helping him understand the bigger picture and what mattered and how he can maximize his opportunity here. And, and he's, he's ran with it. I think it changed. It certainly changed the way that he saw himself. And I hope that it changed the way he views himself for the rest of his life. That's what really matters. Was there a turning point? I mean, you didn't lose more than two games all year. Was there a turning point for you guys at all? I mean, it just seemed like every time you needed a win, you guys pulled a win out. Yeah, there was. I mean, we we went to on the road early April. Uh, we went and played at Tennessee Wesleyan, which then was the number one team in the country. And we came in timid, and we got exposed, and we got beat pretty good. Uh, the next day, we came back, and uh, we didn't bring our gloves to practice. We brought our running shoes. And it was less about the running. It was more about provoking conversation. I wanted to challenge them. There's some things that I needed to say. There's some things that they needed to say. There's some things they needed to say to each other. And I just tried to provoke conversations to get them to finally recognize the potential that we have that we're leaving on the table. That was, I think up to that point, we had won some games. We were in great shape. We're ranked in the top 10. We're feeling good. But we knew we weren't playing at the level that we needed to. We knew we hadn't captured our identity on the baseball field. And I'm telling you, man, from the next day moving forward, it was a different group. And I think it was a almost a back against the wall, bottom of the barrel. Hey, we're going to figure this out. And they started, you know, Ryan, as you know, great teams, players hold each other accountable. So now the conversations were different. The vocal leadership was something we challenged. That became different. The uh, almost step up and do your job for the team. Be who the best version of you, which is going to help all of us move forward. And there's, those guys started to figure out how to get that done. Um, and it, it turned on from there. I mean, I think we went 20, 21, 22 of our last 23 or some version of that. Like it just, it, it started this snowball down a hill that was full of confidence. It was full of trust. It was full of love. It was full of everything that we, we wanted, but everything that we knew would help us uh, have a chance to win the last game. It's pretty cool. And that's what Jr. said. He was, you know, Jr. was out in Lewiston and he was like, Hey, they play loose, you know? And so, yeah. so that was the turning point of getting your guys to stop being timid. You know, everybody goes through that. Cause that's the alternative. Like if we keep playing timid, we're probably going to keep getting punched in the face. There's no doubt. And again, when you're, when you're a, and when you know as a coach they're a tough group, but they don't know they're tough, I mean, you got to figure out a way to bring that out. And it, I'll tell you what, man, it was funny because I'm walking into that meeting and I go, this is going to go one of two ways. <laughs> they are going to accept the challenge or they're going to turn on me. And, and But I was at the point of it's worth it because at the end of the day, this team is, I mean, on paper, our first team meeting, Ryan, anybody that would have called me, I would said, this is by far and away the most talented team we've ever had at Georgia Gwinnett on paper. But we still hadn't done, maybe as the coaching staff, gotten the most out of them. But we felt like, man, it's there. It, it, but it's recognition that if you want to win your last game, then you have to decide to win your last game. It's not something that a coach can want for you. It's something that a team decides, this is what we're going to do. There is no alternative. We're not going home. We talked about when we got to the regional, we're going to win that thing or we're going to steal it and take it home. That was the mentality. We're going to get this thing done. It was the same way when we got to Lewiston, man. We came here for a reason. It's a business trip, and we're going to take care of business. And our guys, again, that was all our players figuring out how to make that come together. Yeah, I mean, you are, you've been to Lewiston with ABCA. I mean, how was it being in that environment as a coach? Phenomenal. Um, I, I, I think I, I looked better in baseball pants than I ever did in khaki shorts. Um, but the, the one thing that I thought was really cool is I – and I didn't think about it till a couple of days before is well, I've been down on that field and I've been in those dugouts and I've bro hugged and I've dapped up dudes and the whole thing, but I've never stood on that top step, managed a moment. And we're walking into play Oklahoma Wesleyan. It kind of hit me like I'm getting ready to walk in this dugout in those baseball pants and I'm going to hang up this lineup and then I'm going to coach from this top step. And, you know, I could feel the butterflies. And one thing my dad always told me was butterflies are good, but you've got to get them circling the right direction. And so I've always, try to work through that. Sometimes I do that, like literally like circling my belly to get those butterflies and I could feel them coming. I'm like, no, 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 come on, get in the right direction here. Cause we're fine. We, this is just another game. And then that was it. But it was that transition of Harris field, you know, for me as, as starting off in the NAI level, Harris field holds so much history. I mean, there is, there is juice coming out of the, those grass blades, man. There just is because you know, who's played there before and the legends that have, 
the moments, the championships, the, all those. And I just, I revere that place, man. And so it was always cool to walk through that gate, even as a, an ABCA staffer, but it was really neat walking through as a coach and knowing that we're going to play on a field that's got so much history underneath it. Um, it was pretty cool, man. Pretty neat moment. The, the book Upside of Stress has been out just for a little bit, but talks a lot about challenge response. You know, it talks about fight or flight, but then challenge response and training yourself to get those butterflies to fly in formation. Sure. That's what the whole book's about. I think it's phenomenal. It'll be a good read for any coaches because I think it's a good communication piece with your players on trying to, to create a challenge response. With, with the generation that you're dealing with now, they think that nervousness is a bad thing. Well, it's actually a great thing because it's your body's preparation to go out and perform. And you, you need all of that. You know, when you look at the physiology of what your body's actually doing when you go out and perform, you need those butterflies because it's sending blood to areas it, it should. It's taking away from the digestive system. So that, that's kind of how it all works within the body and you need that the best performances have a little bit of that anxiety and that excitement but that that's where you you've got to try to reframe it is hey this is excitement it's not nervousness everybody feels this we all go through it as coaches and it's going to help your performance you're going to stay sharper your concentration and focus is going to be better so so embrace this piece because it gives you a chance to go out and perform at your best well and as you know uh we did mindfulness training yes every single day. Yep. So I think the recognition of how important the space between our ears yes. can be during a baseball contest, we've invested in that every single day. And I think, as you know, a guy that practices this at the end of the season, which was always my thought, I've never been with a team that we've done this every day. I've only known of other, again, folks that have, that have won the last game that they have. I just thought it was a neat way to not only just take 10 minutes and invest in mental health, period. If, if they get baseball from it, awesome. And the ones that did, and as we continue to build upon that, it put them in a place, man, we were, in my opinion, man, we were the mentally toughest group there. There wasn't anything that could happen on the baseball field that got under our skin because we were able to move on really quickly. And we were able to manage the moment and manage the environment and, but I also looked at it and said, if this will be something that if we invest on a daily basis, it'll be our secret. It'll be our thing that no one else has that could be the separator. And that's why we, we, we continue to invest in it. I, mean, I think it's something that will always be a staple of our program. And it really doesn't take much time. I mean, if, no. if, if you have it dialed in every day, it does not take much time to do it. No. I mean, we start at a roughly 10, 12 minutes. We build to 15. In the postseason, we went to 20. And it's just a matter of, hey, we just got to arrive a few minutes early. Or for practice, we leave classroom and we go right to mindfulness and then we're right into stretch and BP. It's, But it's an investment, man. I mean, that's like anything you do. If you spend time on double plays, you know what you'll be better at. It's the same way with 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 the mental side of the game. You're, you're, you're not – yeah, I do want them to make better decisions in the moment on the mound with the ball in their hand in the box. But you know as well as I do, they need to manage that 15 seconds between the pitch. That's where adjustments are made. That's where the game's played. That's where confidence is built. And that's where fear can take over. And we need to be prepared for those moments. Yeah. Yeah. The pause, you know, that, that's what mindfulness does is it allows that pause to be much more productive yes. uh, after, yeah. uh, after something happens, after an no event. Doubt. Hey, do you want to give the NAI ball guys a shout out? There's no doubt. Robbie and Cody, man, I go back to 2015 because that was when they started in 2016. But up until that point, this is what people forget. Up until that point, there was really no coverage for NAI baseball. I mean, it was like, I mean, you know, you prayed that an account threw a score out there. These guys went, we'll be the hub. We'll collect all those scores. We'll post about players. We'll, you know, built it into a podcast, built it into national awards each year. Uh, our pitcher last year, Hunter Peck, got the NAI ball national pitcher of the year. That was a big moment for us. Like, that wasn't happening five, six years ago. And so, Cody and Robbie, man, you talk about the commitment that those guys have made and their, you know, where their heart is with the level, but the commitment and sacrifice that's required. Robbie goes live, like, once a week. Like, it, it's amazing to see what they're doing for NAI baseball. And I, and I can't say this enough. Players, coaches, fans, parents, 
we're indebted to these guys, man, because once again, this wasn't happening until these two decided to make a change. I mean, a huge shout out to those guys. Yeah, I think this is the greatest time I've said forever. Greatest time for coaches across all levels. Greatest time for the sports writers across all levels. Like the, the game is in such a phenomenal place because of the coaches that we have, but also the people that are bringing light on all the levels. It's, it's every level now, which is awesome. It's, it's just great to see. Yes, it is. I second that. Hey, do you feel like COVID brought the baseball community closer together? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, absolutely. I mean, what I mean, you were doing last summer, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff going on, people trying to carry the load, you know, in a, in a really tough time. I was in my basement in Illinois at the time, you know, trying to make things work. I just, I feel like the whole baseball community got a little bit tighter through a really tough situation. And again, it was one moment we were all going through exactly the same thing. Yeah. How often does that happen? Um, I think that's the the bigger picture is, we all fight and, and we all have these journeys and we all have these things that are on our plate each day, but they're relative. What, what we go through is different than what Coach Lamonis at Mississippi State just went through. It's just a different viewpoint. But I think at that moment, we were all, by this circumstance, stuck in exactly the same spot, actually, in our homes. <laughs> That's where we were stuck. And I, I, I agree. I think it did force us to – uh, look internally and find different ways, number one, to communicate, but to learn, to connect, to stay connected, to get that, you know, that that human fulfillment that we we desire, you know, to, to connect with people. It changed the dynamic. And I hope one thing that came from it, I hope, I know it did on our end, is appreciation and gratefulness. Yeah. Like, man, we were grateful to be back on the field and to have to put on a uniform again. And we all have days where that slips a little bit. But it was really cool to have each other there. And it happened, dude. Ryan, it happened where I thought I was going to help our guys keep that perspective. And there was a couple moments I had a player come up, put his arm around me, go, Coach, man, hey, remember when they sent us home? Yeah. I'm like, gosh, that's that's why this group, you know. But that you need that, to, that reminder to come back to, hey, remember a year ago, we weren't talking about this. We weren't doing this. We weren't playing that gratefulness and and, uh, and appreciation, I hope, sticks with us. Yeah, and, and your ability to pivot too. So, like last summer, you decided to go coach with the Canes. You know, yeah. can you and and you're doing it again this summer, correct? So, talk yeah. about that yeah. a little bit because that you know, COVID kind of allows that to happen too, where maybe you don't think about doing that if if you're not locked inside. Well, and it was funny because when when Jeff Petty called me and asked, my wife kind of overheard it and she goes, "Let me guess, you're going to go coach?" And I'm like. What do you want me to do? I can't stay in the basement forever. Um, it was one of the best things I ever did. I mean, that that team, we won the, the WWBA National Championship. The team is one of the most talented groups I've been a part of. This summer, we've got another talented group. We just won the Ultimate Baseball Championship, and I'm going to be with the group uh, in Cary for the USA East Championships next week. And um, it, it's, it's a great opportunity, as you know, a guy that recruited and scouted travel baseball, but now to get really into the underbelly of it and understand it, see it from the dugout, go talk with coaches. I mean, in most events, I may be the only NAI coach there. So I'm going to go and literally walk across the field and go talk with that other coach and spend time with the, with the coaches that are out recruiting. It, it's, it's actually a no brainer. You're just, you're getting paid to, to do what you, to recruit basically. So I thought it was a great opportunity. And obviously the Canes organization, I think, is one of the best ones doing it. And to spend time with Hux and Welch and those guys, man, it's been awesome. I, I really enjoy it. And then you're jumping in the USA Task Force then too as well. Just got back from Arizona. Coach yeah. Bartman. Do all roads lead back to Andrew Bartman? <laughs> There's a good chance. And 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 top 96 camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think about top 96 camp every once in a while. Here's what – I've made this commitment, Ryan. You maybe you can help me with this. I'm gonna start a, uh, and maybe it's a social, but in Chicago we're gonna have a top 96 coaches social. And if you worked a top 96 camp in the history that it was around, come to this event and you will see people that you thought crawled into a cave and you never saw again. It, it is gonna be the biggest reunion show of all time. But yeah, there's a. Think of all the paths that crossed work. And that's just back to the camp I saw circuit. Brian Hoop last week and carry it. And we were talking about type 96 camp. Sure. No doubt. Every I was just uh, out in Arizona and I was talk, having top 96 conversations. They're everywhere because the tree off that, uh, the branches off that tree are extensive, man. Everybody ran through that. Talk about the Nectons a little bit. 
It's a tight knit group and it, it seems like you guys are just a solid, solid group that are very supportive of each other. So it's good to see. 100%. So this was a group, um, of really like-minded people, man. You, you're always trying to surround yourself with, uh, with lifelong learners and, and those that aren't okay with status quo and those that are always on this search to, to do better. And just cause you won, doesn't mean you got the answers. It means you're, you're on the right path, but you still got to keep asking the, the right questions. And that's who the Nectons are, man. And, and uh, Butch to Wes Brooks to Chuck Box to uh, Troy Gerlock, Adam Mosley. I mean, Jeff Sherman, you go through this list, man. It is a myself and Steve Deniman are the only two college guys. And it's probably a collection of some of the best high school coaches in the country. And sometimes their conversations aren't necessarily related to what I have to go through, but it's the way that you watch people internalize things and the way that they work through them. We're a, we're a big melting pot of ideas. So we're always sharing, you know, Hey, I just created this new chart. I'm going to put it and we have a, a drive that we, uh, have our Necton drive and, and we just put stuff on there. Hey, I found this. This will be good for us. Hey, this new chart. Hey, I've got this organizational spreadsheet I want to send you guys. But I think I'll tell you the best part, Ryan, is this. Um, when you're out of bounds or you're out of touch with an idea or uh, you're struggling with something, you know, I think it's, it's multifaceted. I turn to that group. And uh, every guy in that group turns to the group. And we have a Marco Polo, uh, which is a video app. We have a love text Marco group. Polo. I mean, that came out of COVID too. I mean, that yes. was a that was an inspiration through COVID with yeah. Marco Polo. It's it it's amazing. And again, like seeing like we're doing right now, you can see people work through things. And we just share, man. And and the second that a guy steps out, dude, he's got fourteen guys going. Hey, homie, you're off on that one. And it's good because I think we we try to check our egos at the door. We're always open to ideas and open to criticisms and open to feedback. Butch was a guy that in the middle of this season, I called him and, hey, dude, I'm struggling with this. And he helped me work through it. Same way my athletic director did. Same way Chuck Box did. Adam Mosley did. Those guys are ones that um, you talk about your brothers in baseball. We just built a, a fraternity. And I think the beauty of it is anyone can do that. Like, it's not – we didn't, we didn't coin anything. Anyone can do that. It's just getting a collection of people to say, this is what our group stands for. We are a group and Necton is a, is something that swims against the current. We're not going to follow trends. We're going to really ask the tough questions. We're really going to dive deep, but we're really going to understand why we do what we do. And more than that, and sorry to go on, but more than that is we're guardians of the game. Like it's our job. It's our job on the ground floor to promote baseball, not just promote ourselves or a program, promote the game, do what's right for the game, help players understand the game, be courteous to the opposing coach, treat umpires the right way, clean up our dugout after we leave, whatever those things are, we're going to do what's right for the game. And that to me has been a collective identity that this group has made part of the DNA of uh, in the fabric of our group. That matters more to us than anything. We want to be great. We want to make the game greater. And I think that's obviously, I know that, that speaks to where your heart's at. Yeah. That's the mission behind our group. Yeah. My, my, my couple tighter groups, I always throw out there, like, am, am I getting a bad read on this? I'm like, Hey, I need you guys to check my thinking on this because I, I may be getting a bad read. So I need you to check my thinking if I'm getting a bad read on this. And they're always honest. And it might be about people too. It's like, Hey, am I getting a bad read on this person? Or maybe I'm, sure. you know, trying to look internally, like maybe I'm, Am I making too much out of this? And it's good to have somebody else give you a different perspective on like, yeah, you're you're making too much of this or you've got a bad read on this person. Like, that's not who he is. Like, just good yeah. to get some different perspectives on that. Like we were talking about miles a little bit earlier. Sometimes we can't see it despite the clouds. And so you need someone to come through and sort through that a little bit and go, ah, from my perspective, this is the way that looks. And uh, there's some real power in that, man, because we – Sometimes we get in our bubble and we do that as coaches. We do that within our own programs. We do that within our own lives and we get stuck in our bubble. And it's a great opportunity to have someone come in and maybe step outside that a little bit and go, yeah, but you see this. But if you actually look at it from this side, this is the opportunity you're missing. And you got to have those people around. And it's the only way we, we find the best version of ourselves. You know, and JR did talk about how loose you guys are in Lewiston. How, how do you, how, I think there's that fine line. How do you get them to stay loose, but maybe the opponent doesn't take it the wrong way? Or, or is there even a line that's, that's drawn there? 
it, it's uh, yes and no. Uh, I think one thing that um, I want this to come off the right way, but one thing that I've I just made a decision to not get lost in is how the other dugout looks or feels. And uh, I mean that in the right respect. I, I just, man, it's hard enough to coach my own. I'm not trying to coach yours. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to manage these guys over here, not yours. And, and it's the same way for the, for the other way. I don't get lost in what other teams do. You want to bat flip on us? Hey, man, we shouldn't have thrown a, a, a hanging breaking ball. Like, it is what it is at this point. But you also got to remember, people are following the model of what's in front of them. So we see that on upper levels of college baseball. We see that in Major League Baseball. It's going to trickle down. I think where I've challenged, Ryan, some some coaches around me, I want to say older, some coaches around me that are maybe more traditional, is uh, players need freedom. People need freedom, but they also need structure. So you've got to uh, work hard to balance those two things. Your program has to have structure to it. It has to have uh, expectations and standards and those things. But at the end of the day, you've got to give freedom. Now, that's a tough thing to balance, but at the same time, that I think is is what our players would come on and tell you is, is a staple of our program. We want to be a player's program, but you can't be a player's program that's coach-led. A player's program is player-led. So there's a point where this team decided, as I mentioned earlier, that they were going to win their last game. That became a player-led group. Now, I've said that from minute one. I'm going to lead you to a point, and at some point you're going to walk up and go, Coach, we got it. That's what this group did. So that only for me solidified this idea of when you get the right people in the room, you got to let them take the wheel. You can't, you know, over their shoulder, reach, reach around to the front seat and put your hand on. If they've got it, you've got to let them run with it. Now, did I have to check some guys? Did we have to pull back on some things Did I have to redirect? There's that, that's coaching, man. That's what you signed up for. But yeah, we played loose. You know why? Cause I got out of their way. Yeah. And that was something that's been on my offensive play sheet from minute one is get out of their way. We try to call way too many plays as coaches. We try to have too much control. We try to put an umbrella over the dugout. And, man, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids that need to find their way. And the only way you find your way is to get out there and fail sometimes. That That's get out of their way, man. Let them go do what they think is right. And really you're only empowering them to act on their own thoughts and ideas. Well, that's the goal. That's what we want them to – leave our program with that confidence and that courage that probably needs to start in the walls of your program. So I think there's a a delicate balancing act that has to happen, but freedom and structure, man, there's, there's a way to help each team understand what that is, but the coach is always there to redirect. I think it's a, it's a fine line we walk. Do you have a fail forward moment? I ask everybody of this. Do you have something along the way that you thought was going to set you back, but looking back now is one of the best things that happened to you? Yeah, because um, you're because you're sitting in that chair, and I and I I sat in that chair for four years and went, man. When I get back, dude, it's all about relationships, and it's all about players, and it's all about. And when we started this season, Ryan, I said that, but in my head and in my actions and in my heart, was yeah. But it's nice to win, and we need to win, and I feel better when we win, and when we lose, I feel bad, and. Um, I, I walked away from that a little bit transparently and uh, Ryan, my athletic director talked about the ultimate leader came in and closed my door and goes, Hey man, it's, it's one thing to talk it and it's another to walk it. And you're walking away from that guy that you know, you want to be, and you're walking back towards the guy you were before you got to ABCA. And that's not the direction you want to go. You need to get this thing back on track. So fail forward was you talk about vulnerability. I, came down from that meeting, I believe that afternoon, and I had a team meeting and I told the guys, look, I'm going to do what a man should do. Two things. If I screw up, I'm going to own it. And then number two, I'm going to fix it. And so I'm going to own it that I have pushed pressure upon you and expectations of winning on you. I've gotten away from what I know really matters, which is you guys. So I'm going to fix it by getting back to relationships, back to smiles, back to hugs, back to what matters because I know that's the residual that's going to lead us towards where we're trying to go. And, and that was a fail forward moment. It was good to be at the, at the almost smacked across the face with, Oh man, the hypocrisy of that, but then going, but no different than my walk with faith, dude, I'm the most imperfect person in the world. That's the beauty of failure. If you're willing to, 
accept it and move forward. It's the same way with your team. That was a great moment for our group. Um, great AD, just, by the way. It's a great athletic best, director to be able to best, step best, in and know. close the door and, and tell you what you need to hear at that time. And, and by the way, I think AD's now it's all about wins and losses for a lot of them. It's great to have somebody in your corner that, that gets the process as well. How about this? How about, hey, I've never told you you have to win. Hey, if you don't go to the World Series this year, you still have a job. Hey, let me just relieve all those pressures you're putting on yourself. Like the depth of that conversation was worth its weight in gold, but it was, it was the ability to come in and know that that's what needed to be said. That's why I always say baseball guys, man, this, this thing that we need is feel. We need that more than anything is like that will take us. That's emotional intelligence. One-on-one is the ability to read people, read the room, make the right decisions, say the right thing, know when to back off, know when to step up. That's feel. IED has incredible feel Um, for our team. Um, those guys started to have real feel for each other. You, you know when a guy gets out, you know whether it's a good moment to say something or not. You know he or he knows where he's at. Do you need to jump in? Let him work through it. And then I think there's a way that they started to figure out, hey, in between innings or pregame, postgame, that's when I can have some of these really tough conversations with my teammates. That's emotional intelligence one-on-one, man. It's all those things that – I think opened some doors for us as a group, but I, I fell forward moment. That's the one I'll point to for myself. You want to give Jack Warren a shout out? Yeah. I, I'm, I, for me, I mean, I, he's, he's the podcast godfather. I think we all owe a, a show of gratitude to, to what he started because I think he showed the way yeah. for all of us that like this is a possibility that people do want to listen to baseball stories. They want to listen to great baseball people. Like I think he opened the door for all of us. Well, Jack Warren, uh, introduced me to what a podcast was because I thought they lived on a website. I didn't know we had this little purple button on our iPhone that housed podcast until Jack Horn came along. Um, it's so funny, Ryan, because when we started the show there at ABCA, I called Jack and I said, Jack, I really want to do this podcast thing and I don't really know how to do it and what should I do? And, and please, I know you guys have already archived. And I, and I called go. both of you guys too. Like, and I appreciate you because yeah. you know that you walk in here and you're like, I have no idea how to actually start one of these things, how it's going to work, how to do any of it. And you guys were great for me as well. well don't, don't listen to the first few because I was doing it like through my computer audio and a headset and all this stuff. And finally I called Jack and I go, dude, what equipment do I need to buy? And it's probably the equipment that's sitting on your desk. It, for sure. Jack, Jack Warren gave gave me a detailed Amazon click list and went by this, by this, by this, by this, by this. And then there's a process, Ryan, of making it all work and what buttons go where and where cords. Jack Warren met me literally in um, in Virginia and we sat at a lunch table and he showed me how to make the mixer work. Jack Warren, the Godfather of Baseball podcast, one of easily the best human beings on planet Earth. But a ton of credit goes to him, Ryan. We, we're not even thinking about doing what we're doing without him laying that path and however many 300-plus episodes that cat's done. Um, but, but man, one of the best people on Earth that really, I think, talk about a guardian of the game, he saw the big picture that it doesn't need to always be his voice. It can be multiple voices. And look at the doors that have opened just in the baseball space because of Jack. With how about that ride in, are you using that as a way to get your message out to your team as well? I mean, it's great for the baseball community, but are you using that as maybe a way to get some messages across to your team? It's crazy how, how many of my guys will come in and make a reference. Or, or Baby Blues was going around our dugout for a little stretch. Um, the, I, I don't, I was, a buddy of mine asked me this, Ryan. He goes, why did you start? And I said, the only thing I was thinking was I really enjoy episodic content. Yeah. And it's no different than a podcast episode, you know, that you know comes out every week or a TV show. I'm a Chicago PD guy. I know when it comes out and I watch it. I just really wanted to do something that was like episodic that I could do each week that held me accountable, but it gave me a chance to to work through some ideas. And that's the beauty of where any of those messages come from. That's I'm I'm internalizing that message too. I'm not coming from a place of, hey, I've got this figured out, so let me help you. It's like, dude, I struggle with this. This is something that I'm working through. Um, it wasn't meant for the team, but it's awesome how many have picked up on it, that there's something in there for all of us. I didn't make it for my assistant coaches, but it's funny how some of those messages leak into their thoughts and our conversations. I didn't make it for my friends, uh, but it's funny how some of those conversations, I think it just comes back to, man, uh, 
what I always come back to in my head is we're all on the same team, man. We're all on the same journey. Some of us just have different paths and different uh, stops and head starts and, and those things. But these ideas are universal. And there's nothing that's uh, – I did quote Confucius today, which will be the last time that probably ever happens. But it was a thought that hit me, and, and I looked As at a the- person who, who follows Far East and, and that side of spirituality, I appreciate a Confucius sure. quote. Well, I, I, couldn't find him, I couldn't find him on Twitter, so I didn't get to, to tag him. But, like, that, that idea is just – it's something that I've been working with that, man, if I'm working through it and we're on the same team, somebody else may work through this or may have value that comes from time and thought. I don't know, man. It's a community thing that we've built. Like I got people that DM me all the time about different stuff. And that's, that was the goal is more of a connection and an episodic way to, Hey, each Thursday, something's coming out and here it is. I think the, the cool part was this, you know, Ryan, you know, I did the, the, um, the Thursday, uh, right in, uh, the day of the championship game Yep. Oh, from yeah. Harris field. Well, don't think that my players didn't come up and go, coach, that's a serious flex. And I'm like, that wasn't meant to be a flex. And he's like, I'm just telling you, we took it as a flex. And I'm like, that's not the point. The point was that it's bigger than this. It's bigger than all this. And they're like, no, nah, we got it, coach. Like, And that was the beauty of working through some of that is guys started to see the, the bigger picture, that there's a, there's a platform here that we need to recognize and, and, and obviously be held accountable to. But there's a bigger picture of helping others, not just serving ourselves, but helping others in areas they may be struggling with and connecting that group. Yeah. So appreciate you asking about it. No, I mean, I, I, I think you're a good example of being able to pivot when needed. I think we all need that because you can't be stuck in your ways because you're just never going to grow. You're never going to probably end up where you need to end up if, if you're not able to pivot and change with the times. And I think we all struggle. I'm 47 now and I struggle with that as t- at times, but you still have to know that's part of the process. You still have to grow. You still have to add things in, and you can't be who you were, you know, ten years ago. And and your your ideas and views on the world are going to change as you get older. So you have to be willing to change with all of those things too. And it's okay to say, hey, maybe I screwed up, and and yeah. my thinking might be wrong on this, and just I. I there's more than enough room in the pool for everybody. I say it all the time with the baseball yeah. community. It's not an us against them thing. We're all in this thing together, trying to drive it forward and, and leave it better for people behind you. And speaking of that, you know, you're dealing with a lot of young assistants and you do have technology. You know, if, if there's a 22 year old listening in, what do you feel like is helping your young assistants maybe make that next step in, in their path? Freedom to fail. Uh, that's one thing that we've, we've given them. I, I, idea and there's never never a bad thing i'm sorry there's never a bad idea in our group and i think it took them a while to understand that that you can offer anything and if you like it run with it and if you think there's value run with it do the research spend the time invest and if you walk away and you go coach there's something here or i remember uh, there was one thing one of our guys did and i said hey what, what came out of that he goes nothing worth talking about, you know, but that's awesome because there wasn't like, Hey coach, do you mind if I do this? No, we're not going to do that. It's always, Hey man. And now this is a Belichick thing, but like do your job. So your job is to be in charge of research and development. You know what you should be doing. You should be researching and developing your job of player development. If you have ideas that you think can help our players, man, run with them. And until the, the, the group sees that there's no value there or it's harmful or yeah, we'll step in. But other than that, go do your job. And I think it becomes this, this boundless environment that you can make it what you want to make it. You can go grab coffee with guys and, and have conversations. We think that's great. You can greet them before or after practice. We, we have an area called the Think Tank. That's where the player development office is. And it's the Think Tank because we just get out there and share ideas and we talk through things and players come in with ideas. And we love that because it's birthed these conversations that normally wouldn't have a chance to happen um, especially given the fact we weren't in our locker room for most of the year. We were kind of walking in and out of the building. So I just think it, the, the environment we've created is one of freedom. It's one of do your job. It's also one of uh, you got a chance to come here and figure some things out. And you've got the resources to do it with from Yacker Tech and Rapsodo and Modus and uh, Driveline and Jager Bands and everything else that you need to try things out. And you've got that here. And that's you know, we try to build that environment that way. Were you able to keep most of your guys healthy for most of the year? Yeah, we only had a couple guys. One kid had a um, kind of an internal 
Uh, he battles a uh, celiac disease and it, it, it caused him some issues. Um, we had some up and down nagging injury stuff as most teams do hamstrings and groins. And we had a couple fingers. We had some, some odds and ends stuff, but for the most part, man, besides one, like our, one of our key players, Jake DeFreeze, we didn't have him for the regionals and the world series, but he broke his thumb and he had just come off a four week stretch of being healthy. Before that, he was sidelined with a hamstring. He was one that had nagging injuries throughout, but other guys, I think they talk about tough, man. Our guys played with some stuff because they knew it was more important for them to be on the field. And, um, yeah, we had some stuff come in and out. I, I think that's a balancing. How do you have that conversation with a kid that may be, okay, you need to sit for a little bit, or it's something that, that maybe you can play through? Man, we, we had them for sure. I, I think um, you talk about trust. I, uh, our players, un- I think, understood when we'd have those conversations, hey, anything that's going to sacrifice what's happening on this field, then we all have to make a decision but I want you to come to the understanding of, you know, Hey, I recognize I'm not at my best. I had a couple guys, I had a, I had a designated hitter that had a broken finger. Uh, we had a couple guys with, uh, my second baseman had a, um, a groin injury he dealt with for a while. And I would always just come up in a very, just, you know, relationship way. How you feeling, man? How's your body feel? What, you know, what do we need to do? Coach, if it gets worse, I'll let you know. Coach, if I don't think I can go hard, if I can't run a hard 90, I'll let you go. If I feel like it's affecting my swing, I'll let you know. And there's a couple moments I stepped in and just did what a coach should do and go, hey, man, it's, it's you know, 11 to 1. You've had three at-bats. Let's get you out get another guy in. That way you can get your hand on ice. Hey, let's get you out of the game so you can put some ice on that and go stretch. Like, I think you just – you recognize how to manage them, which is a piece of this coaching puzzle, and then that helps you manage the injury. That's what I think. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, shoot, man, a lot. Um probably by someone a heck of a lot smarter than me came back to just be yourself. Um, don't try to, as we always do as younger coaches, we model people around us and we, you know, I mean, you had a coach in your life. So I'm guessing that was a model for you as you got into it and learn to not, change though, you know, going yes. to work for spank at JMU is the best thing ever happened to me. Cause he was low yeah. pulse laid back. My dad was going to stick his finger in your chest and, you know, take you behind the dugout and get after you. But it was great for me to see that like, just you just be yourself yourself man and 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 to be yourself is to be authentic yes. and if you're being authentic you, you're never putting on an act you're just walking around doing what you do and like players respond to that we always think that maybe we're outsmarting our guys our guys are the smartest ones in the room so they know who you are they can see through your speech they can see through your your what you think are your actions they know what the intent is behind that and so I think that's the beauty of, of being authentic to yourself is you never have to worry about really anything. You just kind of show up and do what you do. And I think uh, part of that allows you to be, again, who you are, which is an imperfect person. So too often as coaches, we think we got to have all the answers in front of our group or we have to be perfect or we can't foul up. Our guys won games despite bad coaching. And I'm the first one to tell them that. I shouldn't have called that. I, I, I We got out coached in that moment. Whatever those things are, and I think our guys go, God, man, that, you're supposed to be, but there's value in that because coach, I screwed up when I had runners at second and third and struck out. So I understand and the, the, the parallel between those two worlds. That's what I think players need to understand is, man, we're all here trying to figure this thing out. No one is coming from a place of you as a player, me as a coach, I've got this figured out. Be yourself, man, be authentic and walk your path. The Bill Murray stories are phenomenal. If you haven't watched them, it's on Netflix. A documentary about Bill Murray. Like he, I think he's the shining example of living in the present moment and and how sure. he's lived his life. It's always in the present moment. And I know he's a little goofy at times, but like it, it gives you a deep dive on him as a person because awesome. he has some phenomenal stories. You know, it's just I think he's a good example of, of being that type of person, being your authentic self. Um, sure, he's lived a, a full and rich life doing what he does. What about worst advice? Worst advice, uh, <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> probably. I've my, probably given uh, you some bad advice along the way at some point. No, no, no. no. I'm, I, I'm, I got this one thought in my head of my best friend. So when I was 25, I got the uh, ops job at Kentucky, and it was a zero-pay job. I was going to have to work camp and run camp and make my money there. 
And I call my best friend. Hey, man, I'm leaving NAI. I'm going to go coach Division One, the SEC at UK. We grew up 20 minutes from Rep Arena. And uh, this 25 years old. Now, he is 25. And he is uh, at an entry-level position with the city of Frankfurt. He's making good money. He's got a lot more money than I do. He's paying for dinner and beers. But, like, we're sitting there, and I said, hey, I just got this job, man. And I'm fired up. And we're going to be at Kentucky, man. I mean, we're going to be in the SEC. This is everything I've wanted as a coach my third year in. And he goes, that's awesome, man. UK, this is great. Oh, my gosh. Well, how much money are you going to make, man? Like, what is it, six figures? Like, you know, what kind of job? And I go, um, I'm not going to make anything. He was like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like there is no paycheck. He goes, you don't have, you don't have Benny's, which by the way, Benny's are benefits. You don't have Benny's. You don't have a paycheck and you got to work all the time. He goes, how are you going to do this? I go, dude, this is part of it. This is paying your dues, but this is the opportunity to put, you know, again, this on my resume as I move forward. And he goes, you're 25 and you don't have any of those things. You know what that makes you? That makes you a loser. And I'll never forget like looking at him and I'm going, dude, I know you're not a baseball guy, but dude, this, I'm telling you, this is how it goes. And this is huge. We should be, we should be pouring these things over our head right now. We should be excited, but it was helping him understand. He wanted to talk me off the ledge. Like, Hey man, I can get you a job at the city of Frankfurt tomorrow. And I'm going, no, 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 man. This is the path. This is sacrifices required. And this is what I have to do. Now I, I cut Parker down every time I see him with that statement because he, he didn't know what he didn't know, but he always, Ryan, to your question, will be the first one to go, hey, remember when I get, offer you advice, just chew on it for a little bit. Don't just take it and run with it because I may not have all the answers that I think I have, and that's, that's just that's my best friend, man. Yeah, you just dropped Coop off. I mean, talk about trying to carve out some time for the family. You know, coaching high stress, you know, schedules, sure. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You know, talk about trying to carve some time out for your family. Man, and it's been, seems to be tougher, especially with everything we got going since we got back. But, um, you know, when I am home, I'm really working hard to be more present. That's something that, especially I in the I struggled summer, with it forever. Oh, man. I struggled with it. And you know how recruiting goes, man. Like you're a phone call or a text away from having to walk back outside on another call, and it makes it tough. But you know, I think the you know the, the car ride to work is is my mine and Coop's time. Um, we listen to music. We were jamming to Bill Withers this morning, having a lovely day. Um, that's our moment. Uh, you know, uh, CJ's home with my wife, and so I get to come home and hang out with them, and, and come home for lunch. And when I do get home, you know, it's just us and the girls, and. Um, it's a lot of fun, man. But like, I think the, as, as coach Bartman would, would say, man, is, is when you're at home, be at home, um, and take care of home and cover home. And, and those things without my wife and without my kids, I mean, none of this matters. So like being a baseball coach is great and affecting people is great, but man, I, I, I damn sure want to be remembered as a better husband and father that more than I am a baseball coach. And I got to be better at that. And I'm going to continue to work at that each day. And it's no different than what we talked about a minute ago, man. Look, we're all on the same path. We're figuring it out. We're understanding our lives and how we navigate them. But those are the areas I really want to invest in and, and reap benefits from. What would you like to see out of NAI ball going forward? I mean, is there anything? I mean, I think the NAI is getting to a good place, but what can kind of push NAI forward here? Well, the huge piece is the, uh, the reconstruction of the uh, national tournament. That's you talk about legitimacy and you talk about, um, you know, I guess fairness or just what makes a better bracket, a better tournament. Um, removing that automatic bid is a huge deal. I still think we have work to be done with the national tournament. I, I really was very disappointed, uh, you know, roughly about uh, 13, 14 months ago when we made some changes to our national tournament, which from the NAI level, baseball had always been the leader in the clubhouse of, bucking trends and changing and the goal being the 10 best teams in the country arrive at the final site. That's should be the goal of any national tournament. The eight best teams arrive in Omaha. I think division that, one got it right this year. I mean, did, like, all eight of those teams were, were hot at that yeah. point. And, and that's, and it's funny because the championship games got a little lopsided, but you always want to see a three, two game. You want to see a five, four game. You don't want to see a 15 to two game in a world series. Now it happens. I understand that, but that was our goal. I was surprised with the end result of the Omaha scores. Like I didn't think that yeah. I thought it would be, you know, three really tight games, but that happens. 
it happens, man. But we we had that format rolling on the NAI level where the 10 best teams showed up, the games were really close, and we got away from that a little bit. And I think if we can work hard to get it back, I think we just recognize what our parameters are and we work within them. And even this year, given the new structure, I know the the committee had a tough time fitting those parameters. I mean, we we've we've hosted since 2014 and we didn't host this year. That's something that we'd like to do moving forward. But more than that, it's a great opportunity to make sure we spread teams out so that the top 10 teams don't see each other inside of regionals. If you've worked hard to solidify yourself as a top perennial team, you shouldn't have to face another top 10 team to win a regional to go to the World Series. You all should have a chance to spread yourselves out and have a chance to, to compete to win that. And we all know how it works, man. An underdog jumps up. The 15-ranked team, the 20th-ranked team, the 30th-ranked team wins that regional. Great. But you need that parity, not that regionalization. And that's the one thing, you know, I was a Division II player and Division II coach. That's the 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 issues that I would have with the Division II model. We started to walk towards that, which is a regionalization model, which doesn't always – secure the best teams at the final site we need to get back to what we have which is a little bit of freedom inside our plan uh and make sure we're doing what's right for the overall product which matters well and you're gonna see some first-time teams win it then too you know you look at division one right now there's been a ton of first-time teams that won it you guys i mean there's there's a lot across sure. all levels if you spread it out across the country you're going to get some more first-time national champs doing it that way they're not getting, bu- getting bucked out early there's no doubt parity is a really good thing because you're you know, you're 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 building confidence in others. That, like you see this team win it, and you go, "Hey, we're kind of like them. We're a step away." And then you also see parity to where administration goes. I mean, we're right on the edge. If we invest a little bit more, if we enhance our facility a little bit more, if we do these little things, maybe we can make a jump. That's good for all of us, man. High tides raise all ships. I never get upset over anyone that's improving their facility or uh, getting paid more or changing the dynamic at their facility. That's good for all of us because it's motivating. It makes you have to step up. It makes you work a little bit harder, but it makes everyone rise. It's a great thing for all of us, man. Yep. What are some final thoughts? Uh, man, hey, I, I just appreciate you giving me the opportunity yeah. to do this, man. I well, mean, and I appreciate you taking time. You're busy and sure. you know you got a lot going on, so I appreciate you taking the time also. Part of it, man. I, I think the you know you know what the ABCA means to to myself and so many others. It's a uh, talk about the, the the coaching fraternity and how important this group is and and how connected we need to remain and stay and build upon um, I'm just I'm really grateful for the opportunity to connect and um, just you know again want to be part of the solution across any front if anyone listening wants to connect reach out to me um, I'll try to help any way that I can same way that Ryan would same way that any of us inside the ABCA would I'm definitely looking forward to Chicago uh, I'm giving out free bro hugs I'm just gonna pass them out like their hotcakes. And if you want one, come get one. Um, but I can't wait to get there because, you know, we, we virtual was great, but man, you, you know, the interactions and the, and the conversations and the eye contact and the things that really matter to our community as, as close as we are, we really need that. We can't wait to get back to Chicago, man. Yeah. And I'll see you next week in Cary. So I'll stop over there and see you. That's so. it. We'll All be right. there. Man. Thanks. Travel safe. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you. Thanks to Coach Sheets for taking time out to be on the podcast. I knew our conversation would go in a bunch of different directions. I hope you picked up some tips for developing a successful organization. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram at ryanbrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.